Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we'll be reading chapters 7 and 8 of Order of the Phoenix. So grab a glass of your favourite alcohol beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. How would you say our first remote recording of lockdown three is going? Not great, Hannah. I would not great. I, I would class it as not not well. <laughs> and like, I think my favorite thing about how badly this is going is we thought I was going to be the problem, but it's, it's me. You. And we thought that the secondary small recorders that we bought for remote recording were going to be the problem, but no, it's the original <laughs> mixer and microphones. <laughs> Um, so for context, we have been trying to record for an hour now. There is just a mysterious hissing noise, which I personally think that they have some kind of basilisk problem. And that's much the like mic- the mysterious ticking noise. But we yes. have unplugged, replugged everything. We have had everyone in here. I've been sending Charlie's photos of the mix. <laughs> like everyone in here. Neil, Hannah, Neil, Neil. we're in a national lockdown. <laughs> Just Neil. It felt like everyone. I was getting very angry. We're separate again. And yay. I love that we spent the first two lockdowns going, Charlie cannot record at hers. She has housemates that will constantly be in the kitchen next to her room. And I live next to a train station. And we found ways around it for how many months now? I mean, nine months, right? nine ten has the no the pandemic's been going on yeah nine and a half ten months yeah um and now finally it's gotten to the we've got no choice yeah so this is the apology until the uh (laughs) i was gonna say basically until the pandemic is over because if you don't live in the uk we have a new mutant strain of corona which is so bad that in london one in 30 people are in Affected. So it's literally illegal to leave our houses. London is in Yay. a state of crisis. <laughs> a literal national state of crisis that has only been announced before for terrorist attacks. Yeah. So we cannot record together. No. Um, and Charlie has to record in her flat with the trains and the flatmates. Yeah, we will do so our best to... So if you hear background noises, it's a pandemic, just let it go. <laughs> yeah, we will do our best to edit it out. Um, but, you know, you might... If you if you hear trains, just consider it train ASMR. Like, yeah, people lo- people pay for like ASMR. Like, come on. I no. Some we were discussing earlier sleep sounds. Sometimes we I were. I use um train noises, but that's just because I love trains. You use train noises when you can hear trains out your window. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sorry. I, I actually did. To give you some credit, the trains stop at like one in the morning. Yeah, they do. Um, I didn't realise that I was admitting to such a ridiculous thing. <laughs> it's just the fact that I know I can hear the trains from your room. And then you're like, I go to sleep with fake trains. I was We're like, really trains. selling London living right now, aren't we? <laughs> I spent, I, I managed to derail an entire work call because a feral fox jumped on the flat roof below my window. And I was just treating it like a David Attenborough documentary. I hadn't left the house all day. And I was like, guys, there's a fox. He's doing this. And they were like, is it like a mangy fox or a nice fox? That just is... sell that London living in the pandemic. Yep, that is absolutely excellent (laughs) oh anyway we're here we're i was gonna say we're here we're quick (laughs) is this you coming out at last (laughs) here i am we're here charlie's quick And today we have a sponsored alcohol. Not a sponsored alcohol. No, we have a Patreon requested alcohol. We do. From Rhiannon, who is a wonderful producer level tier, page level tier, I mean the same thing, a producer level patron. She requested that we get two VKs. If you don't know, which I didn't, VKs are one of the many Alco pops that are sold. Um, Rhiannon, Charlie, how many shops did you go to? I think it was seven or eight in the end. I went to four and no VKs were found. Not yeah. a single VK. But like, uh, the we're thing really is, sorry. I... We, we're assuming it's a regional thing. Yeah, because I know that I have definitely seen them in 
like shops before but i'm thinking that it must be like at my parents maybe they're just not sold in london but yeah i literally went to like eight different shops could not find them can i just say that i am so excited for (laughs) this request i missed my like alg pop phase like because i didn't start drinking until i was 20 so i missed that like drinking wkds in a park kind of stage of your life yeah uh just to say rihanna specifically requested this to uh take us back to our uni days oh brilliant but yeah i missed out on all of that so like i know that i've tasted wkd i think i've literally have had like a sip before but i've never like properly <laughs> drunk any because it's not really that socially acceptable is it which like so, it's yeah, just, well, to be fair it's, it's eight it's eight percent no not eight uh four i just completely just said the wrong number yeah, it's 4%, 1.1 units. I, I just wouldn't drink more than one, and we are going to drink more than one because of the sugar in it. <laughs> Send me hyper. But yeah, so instead of VKs, we each got a WKD blue and a Smirnoff ice. It is so blue. Oh, it is good. That is, it just tastes like literally those like ice lolly like you know the really long yeah. thin ones you used to have <gasps> ice pops yeah what i like is because we were meant to start recording an hour ago we've been trying for an hour this has now been out the fridge for an hour but it's giving me i took it out the fridge at home and took it to the park vibes from when i was 14 so cannot relate absolutely not not been there not done that <laughs> Okay, we also have some new patrons to welcome to our crew. We don't have a word for all of them collectively. Yeah, the a specific. Okay, we have some new patrons. So, a catastrophically large thank you to Kara. A car-sized thank you to Carrie. A ginormous thank you to Jessica. And a Alabama-sized thank you to Alex. Thank you all so much for joining our Patreon and supporting this podcast. I believe we also have a new review, Charlie? We do indeed. So our review this episode comes from Joy Pet Og. I don't don't know how I'm... Joy Petter... Peter Ugg? I, I don't know. Um, he says, brilliant and hilarious. They are so funny and I really enjoy the different takes they have on it. It reminds me a bit of video essays on YouTube and mm. just the little comments they have on the most innocuous thing is just really appreciated. They really go through the books with a fine tooth comb and one of them just always finds something I've never noticed. It's awesome. And then lots of exclamation Aww. marks. So thank you so That's much. So That's nice. such a lovely review. Thank you. That is really nice. And if you want to leave us a review that May, might be chosen to be read out you can do that on apple Podcasts or facebook that's so nice i like the link to video essays on youtube because i do love a good youtube video essay of course you do anyway should we get on with harry potter we probably should chapter seven it's called the ministry of magic so it's the morning of harry's hearing and he wakes up early his hearing is meant to be in just the department's office Like, we've got to remember, whatever happens with this hearing, it was literally meant to be in a woman's office, as it should be for something like this. So after Mrs. Weasley fusses over Harry and he doesn't eat breakfast because he's so nervous, him and Mr. Weasley head into the ministry and they take the London Underground. I just thought you'd love the travel references. (laughs) Thank you. I just love Mr. Weasley. He is fascinated by the ticket scanners. And I'm just like, this was like the 90s. So like, this was before contactless. Could you imagine his reaction now to seeing the contactless cards? Like, he'd just think it was magic. Like, what is contactless if it's not magic? I ask you. Exactly. But like, he would just be like, oh my God, the muggles have gone and done it. They're catching up. Yeah, they've done it. So they get into central London. And and Mr. Weasley is like counting. He's like two stops to go. And I'm just like, this is literally my dad. Like whenever he gets the tube, which isn't often, he's always like every single stop like counting down because he's convinced we're gonna miss the stop he's like oh it's in two stops time and i'm like i know so we have been to where this is filmed so they end up in a shabby street with a telephone box the the street we went to i would not call it shabby. no it's literally the nicest street because it's like actual like government buildings isn't it yeah, we didn't realise. Like, we knew it was like a back street around near some government buildings, but we got there and we were sitting outside, like, I can't remember for what, but one of the smaller governmental departments. But at one point, like, a governmental car came out the car park and we were just kind of like, hi, we're just here with a tripod. Oh, a security <laughs> guard came round as well, didn't he? Yeah. 
we had a lot of awkward encounters that photo shoot we didn't have as many as i thought we would for what we were doing no i think my favorite one was leaden hall market just because we were not the only people dressed up which was hilarious i liked the interactions in the alleyway which has got nothing to do with harry potter but looks like diagon alley and the couple that lived there were telling us about everything that had been filmed there so yeah they go into a telephone box and Harry gets a badge that says his name and then the bottom of the telephone box descends into the ground. What would the ministry do if Muggle CCTV was built on this street? Because bear in mind, London is like one of the most highly CCTV'd places in the world. Like you can literally follow anyone around London on CCTV. It's on every corner. So what would they do? They'd have to change the way the entrance works. I guess there's two arguments. There's one that because apparently and I, I it's a bullshit excuse but because apparently electronics don't work at hogwarts maybe there would be electronic interference Ooh. where where there's like magic it would just like make the cameras kind of cut out and go all staticky or maybe mm. you know we can assume that there is a like spell on the so that like a walking past muggle wouldn't see it right like a yeah because there's that kind of so. around other places, like magical places in Muggle London as well, and Hogwarts. So maybe and we know they can, we know they can cast spells as well. That when people walk near, it makes them realize they've forgotten to do mm. something and walk off. So I assume like those spells around there as well. Yeah, and maybe that like works for cameras as well, where like the cameras just wouldn't be able to see it happen or something. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe every time they try to install cameras, the workmen are just like. Oh no, I've forgotten to turn my oven off and run off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just every time. (laughs) So he descends into the Ministry of Magic and we get the description of the beautiful atrium. And I'm trying to think if I have ever heard the word atrium outside of the context of Harry Potter. Yes. That's like, what? How would you not have? An entrance hall. I would never call something an atrium, I don't think. But like, you've heard it be said. Have I? Yes. Give me an example. <laughs> like the atrium to an office. No, I've never heard anyone say that. So you're genuinely <laughs> claiming you've never heard the word atrium before this. You're not. Well, not before this moment, obviously, because I've read the books loads of times before. But I'm saying I don't know if I've ever heard it in another like context apart from this description. You have. I okay. have probably used the word atrium around you. That's a bold claim from you. Hannah's um, sulking. She is pouting. <laughs> I just don't think I've heard the word. <laughs> so in the middle of the atrium, there's a statue with a house elf, a goblin, a centaur, a witch and a wizard. And the three creatures are gazing adoringly at the witch and wizard. And I wanted to uh, do some GCSE A-level literature analysis on this statue, if you'll allow it. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap whilst you do that. So, currently, the Wizarding World is living in peacetime. And yet, this statue represents everything that is wrong with the Wizarding World, even in peacetime. Like, everything that is wrong with the Wizarding Society at its core. Because they treat these creatures, which are magical creatures, as lesser and as looking up to the Witch and Wizard. They put Witches and Wizards on a pedestal, which they don't deserve to be on. But also the statue also represents every creature that Voldemort doesn't appreciate and will eventually lead to his downfall. So the centaurs are underestimated by Umbridge in this book and it leads to her downfall and things we will discuss, but also by Voldemort because he thinks and everyone thinks the centaurs don't join in with stuff, but they actually join in with the Battle of Hogwarts at the end. And they're one of the reasons when Dumbledore, not Dumbledore, Voldemort's Death Eaters are overpowered at the end. Then we have the Goblin. And we know that, again, Goblins are really underestimated by Voldemort because, again, he thinks the Goblins are somewhat neutral and he can just push them around in Gringotts. But one forms an alliance with Harry after he walks out of Gringotts because of what he saw happening. And also Voldemort doesn't care about the Goblins once. Like he sees them as working in the bank but he doesn't care about that the goblins will side with who is going to give their end goal, which is getting wands. And then really, obviously, we know that house elves are constantly underestimated by Voldemort. First with Creature and then again with Dobby. And that's a reoccurring theme in the books about Voldemort underestimating these creatures because he puts wizards and purebloods on a pedestal. And that's like the theme of the whole books. But it's all kind of represented in this statue. And I like that. Yeah, I also think it's interesting because so I've been rereading the seventh book right now and the statue gets changed, doesn't it? I can't remember what 
but it gets changed to something worse basically a lot worse but it's like it's kind of like it's not portrayed in that way because harry does kind of acknowledge when he sees it now in this book that he's like eh that's not right that's not very accurate but it's kind of like you know it's not like you're being like this statue was fine and then it got changed to this horrific thing it's like this statue was not great and then it got worse like it's just like this weird thing where it's like it's not just like it's almost like Voldemort is saying like a lot of things that people he's just saying what people think or that people like other wizards kind of think and believe like more I'm struggling for the words but No, I know what you mean. Because I think an important thing I've realised from doing this podcast and from doing this adult reading of Harry Potter is it's not like Voldemort is the big bad and the wizarding world is perfect. The wizarding world is so corrupt without Voldemort ever being in the picture. The way they treat and their attitude towards muggles, other magical creatures, everything is so bigoted. And that is kind of the crux of the books. But that hasn't necessarily got stuff to do with Voldemort. That's just beliefs that wizards hold. And yeah, this statue Mm. shows what is already wrong with wizarding society. And I think we'll come back to this at the end of the book, because I think it is, again, (laughs) kind of GCSE English literature important when the statue gets destroyed at the end. There's symbolism in the statue being destroyed at the end of the book. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, it's a parallel because we know that, you know, the way that magical creatures are treated in Harry Potter is like a really iffy metaphor for racism. Um, yeah. And it's true here as well. Like, it's the difference between having that kind of like ingrained societal, societal racism that you then have to unlearn and the difference mm. between being like an all out, like loud and proud, like storming the, the capital kind of... <laughs> topical topic storming the capital this is relevant when we recorded this okay Uh, actually this this episode comes out in a week so so it's absolutely fine yeah that's the benefit when we're not ahead of recording for once (laughs) when we get behind we are more culturally relevant exactly i love it when we like make a reference like i think there was one that came out recently where we were like referencing among us which was like really relevant like three months ago yeah our our relevancy is totally dependent on our recording schedule (laughs) exactly it's that difference it's you know kind of all wizards seem to have this really shitty opinion about different you know creatures and blood statuses and that's kind of represented in this statue and it only just gets worse later on it gets more like blatant I guess, when yeah. Voldemort takes over. Quick, we need to make a dick joke because we've just made some like proper, like in-depth points. I'm, I'm sure there uh, will be one that's coming up. There will, there will be a dick joke. Don't worry, don't get scared, guys. Uh, <laughs> so we then get, <laughs> I then wrote, we then get detailed descriptions of every ministry department, which is good world building, but I'm not bothering to repeat it. We literally, he reads out the floor numbers and he's like, the department for the magical sport or whatever. You can Shut tell up. this is when they stopped editing her. <laughs> The fifth book is where the editor changed and they didn't edit her enough. The sixth book, she, it gets better again, but fifth book, it, yeah. yeah. Right, so when he's in this lift where he's describing all the fucking flaws, we find out that wizards have paper airplanes as memos. And this is one thing that really annoys me because even in the 90s, email and IM existed and has overtaken your motherfucking stupid technology. Yeah, but like, if it is like that bullshit around how, like electronics don't work in hogwarts because the amount of magic the same would be true for the ministry of magic no but i'm just saying that it it's kind of funny that there is no wizarding equivalent of sending an instant message like not email Mm. or im but there is no wizarding equivalent they still have to use something analog which takes time to arrive yeah so at this point muggles in the last few years as this is set in the 90s have outstripped wizards in terms of like functionality and speed that's cool. Yeah, because the only time we ever see them kind of do something like this is either talking through the fire, which is just not convenient. Like, imagine if every time you had to send someone an email, you had to, like, <laughs> literally, like, flew down on the half. fire. <laughs> every office just had, like, multiple fires. Um, or when they do it with the, like, Patronus, where you can kind of send a message through a Patronus. Yeah. But the Patronus is, like, portrayed as this, like, really, like, hard spell to do. And it's not something that is taught, like, as, like, a standard in Hogwarts. So you would think that if that was their version of, like, an IM, this would be something that was, like, taught as, like, a basic. I have got to say... I kind of wish the talking Patronuses were a different spell to Patronus. Mm. I'm like, wait, why? Like, it why doesn't make come any up sense. With a separate spell. I've yeah. never understood it. I completely agree because it's like 
when Harry learns about the Patronus, he doesn't learn how to do that. And it does yeah. just feel completely like, completely unnecessary. Like it it's, could, And there's no reason for it to be a Patronus. It could be a sp- separate spell and that would be cool and yeah. fine and I'd buy it. But I'm like, why does this spell that specifically was made to ward off Dementors do this extra other thing? Yeah. I, I never liked it. No, I agree. I think she like either wanted it for the drama or she just didn't want to like come up with another spell. <laughs> I've come up with thousands of spells. I'm done now. Uh, there was one department which I absolutely loved, and I this would this is where I would want to work. Like, not if I'm going after a cool wizarding job. If I just want a good office job in the wizarding world, I would like to work for the Muggle Worthy Excuse Committee. Brilliant. Yes, that sounds I just like love so it. much fun. It does. I love it. So they arrive at the whatever department Mr. Weasley works for, the law kind of a department. And in that department is the auras. And Kingsley pretends not to know them because they're not meant to really know each other that well. And he slips Mr. Weasley a magazine for Sirius. This is also where we kind of get confirmation of like something people say that auras are more like detectives or MI5 in the wizarding world and the magical law enforcement patrol are the muggle, the wizarding equivalent of police. They're the wizard some people cops. Say the or- they're the wizard cops because some people say the auras are the wizard cops or the police but they're not. The auras are like the investigators, the MI5 of this world. Yeah. Oh my God, I was on a walk today that went past the MI5 building mm-hmm. which... I've walked past a lot and we were walking down some steps near the river near it and we walked past this girl and you know when you hear snippets of conversations we just heard her say yeah so I have to be escorted if I want to go into the Ministry of Defence and I was like you shouldn't be just talking about that on the street like (laughs) wow it's weird when you just walk past me and you're like what do you actually have an important job what are you doing (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm convinced your neighbour is a spy, so... I see that. I've met a few people in my life that I... Do you know what annoys me? I've met people in my life where I'm like, I think they're a spy. There's no way I'm ever going to find out if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I would love to be a spy. And just like, literally just have I would love the to be most a spy. convincing backstory. I would love to be a spy. <gasps> Imagine if one of us was a spy and we couldn't even tell each other. We couldn't tell each other. We've worked together, Hannah. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. Imagine um, if we were both spies and we just know, ran a podcast in our like part-time. I know three people who have applied to MI5, which they're not meant to tell me. So multiple people have broken the rules by telling me they've applied. I mean, good if they then didn't get the jobs. That kind of implies they, they shouldn't didn't get the job. But one got so far, they were talking to me about the background checks and like, they will call your family. They will do checks on your family's like history if they've like when they move to the country or things like that. It's pretty. I yeah. mean, so you're when, a spy. So yeah, when I like originally applied to university and I applied to do sociology before being like, I don't want to do that. Like I was either going to be a teacher or go into like the police, but not like police. I wanted to be more like a detective or something. And I'm like, damn that. Yeah, I could I could have gone and I could have become a spy somehow i would not have been a good spy i can't lie (laughs) that's one of the main things about being a spy but to be fair we're talking about spies like it's james bond most spies especially who work in the mi5 building are not like field agent spies like you work on a laptop doing things and we have discussed how good i would be with my stalking abilities in mi5 like Mm -hmm. tracking people down i have skills hannah is terrifying the other day she sent me like an essay message all about who was it are you comfortable saying who it is yeah we can say oh my god what's her name joanna um, lumley joanna lumley yeah she's exactly where she lived (laughs) essentially in covid our street did street concerts like there's a couple of people on our street who play instruments they got out their instruments it was very cute and i spotted joanna lumley on our street and then i did some digging and now i know exactly where she lives yeah. I don't care about Joanna Lovely. I have no interest in her and a celebrity. It was just boredom. <laughs> yeah, but genuinely, Hannah, like, because I, I think somehow you didn't tell me this at the time. And then the other day it came up and Hannah just sent me this, like, essay message, like, of exactly how she found out exactly where Joanna Lumley lives, including, like, really creepy things that she had, like, other kind of like i didn't like ring her family or anything no it's but like as internet in, like, searching just like things like you knew where her like favorite 
you know, thing was and stuff like that. I'm just terrifying. And I'm like, Hannah, are you stalking Joanna Lumley? <laughs> I do not care about Joanna Lumley. I'm just, I just, I just got bored. Okay. It's fun to stalk people. Leave me alone. I wouldn't actually ever do anything. Nobody stalk us. <laughs> it is very fun to stalk people. But yeah, no one stalk us, please. <laughs> Mr. Weasley doesn't have a window in his office, which I've got to be honest, seems inhumane. Like, I know the windows in the ministry are fake anyway. And they're like, just have fake weather through them, but not having anything. Imagine working in a room without a window. Yeah, I mean, but also because the windows aren't real, surely every room should have one. Exactly. This is what I don't get. I'm like, it's not a restriction on a building requirement. You're all underground. Just put a window in. Yeah. Also, do you still get the essential vitamin D if the windows and the sunlight are fake? I don't know. We ask the real questions here on Goblet of Wine. (laughs) I simply do not know. So when they're talking to Kingsley, he instructs Mr. Weasley to pull some info on flying muggle vehicles. And he's like, oh, like the last report you did for me took like way too long. And he kind of like references something. And then Mr. Weasley is like, well, no, actually, if you'd actually read the last report you would know this like because kind of kingsley said something wrong and he kind of like said fire legs rather than firearms yeah it's just beautiful because it is every conversation i've had at work ever it's it's Mm -hmm. the wizarding equivalent of as per my last email or email please see attached to my email where i sent this you know that kind of it is so passive aggressive and i love it and they're only play acting at it but i just thought it was fantastic because it is just literally just office culture yeah it is oh i was talking to neil about this actually how because we've been binge watching the office over lockdown and even like taking away the comedy of the office any office you work on work in it's just not normal to keep that many humans in a room all together and expect not weird things to happen because every office you've ever worked in weird shit happens just weird shit yeah i mean Ruggate was my favorite weird shit of my current job (laughs) so the office that i used to work in had like (laughs) like hardwood <laughs> floors and it was basically like a communal office so we weren't the only company there there was loads of different ones and we were kind of like down the hallway so we had to walk past several other offices to get into our, our office and the thing is our company was split into two different kind of rooms that were both next to each other there was a smaller one where we were all women in there and then there was a larger one where it was like mixed genders um, and I'm only bringing this up because I basically just say later on that I think this woman involved was being really fucking sexist. Everyone in the smaller office that I was in, all of the women, none of us really wore heels. Like if we did it, it would be like one day out of the week, like barely ever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Because it's not really like you didn't really, you worked in more of like a modern office than like a court. There aren't yeah. many London offices where you wear heels nowadays. No, unless you're literally like a lawyer or something. But it was very like we were like marketing creatives. Like we would all be in like trainers every yeah. day and stuff but basically one day this woman like knocked on the door to our office and came in and was like i want to speak to whoever is the manager of this office and we were like well there isn't one because like basically a bunch (laughs) of us in there are just as senior as each other um and she's like who is the most senior person in this room so we were like by most senior we were literally like okay who is the oldest ruth who is the loveliest person and then we basically had to deal with this woman who was just the biggest Karen in the world having a go at us because she was like your heels blah 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 she basically had a go that she could not focus at all because all she could hear all day was a clip clop clip clop clip clop of all of our heels going past and we were like what are you on about none of us really wear heels but the thing is we knew that there were several women who were actually like one of them is like the CEO's wife in the other office that do wear heels that also have to walk past so this woman very obviously was actually hearing heels from the other office that had more men in um but was only coming to have a go at us because we were the women's office there was also another office that was not our company but there was a guy in there who was really short and used to wear platform shoes and he used uh. to clip clop around all the time as well so we're like we basically think it's like a handful of women but a lot this man but this woman just was like saw the only all-female office and just came to have a go at us anyway so she she basically had a like meltdown and had to go at us one day about our heels we were we're all like okay we'll take it on board none of us really wear heels but whatever okay we're sorry 
Anyway, do have to apologise? <laughs> well, we want to keep the peace. We all t- like literally. She shut the door. Bear in mind, they're glass doors. They're not soundproof. She shut the door. We all burst out laughing. Um, Talking of not soundproof offices, quick, quick tangent to remind you of the time where my manager forgot that the offices <gasps> in that office building we worked in were not soundproof and was having an argument with her boyfriend on the phone, not realising that we could all hear. Awful. Just office things. Carry on with your story. Yeah. So fast forward to a week later. Um, and we know like the staff that kind of work, like the kind of office managers. And they're all just like, yeah, this woman is crazy. She keeps complaining about the heels, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this woman had a rug in her office and she put it outside into the hallway outside. And they were like, no, no, you like you can't do that. They'd already told her because she'd asked. They were like, no, it's against our policy. It's a trip hazard to put a rug there. But anyway, she put her like rug out and then we were all dying. And we were literally taking videos of this like rug. <laughs> in the hallway that she'd put out there to try and stop the clip clopping heels and then because we were mates with like the office managers we just messaged them and were like she's put a rug out and then we were filming as and watching as one of the office managers came up to this woman and just talked to her and then we just watched and just had this like slow-mo zooming in video of this like defeated woman just like sadly dragging her rug back into the office (laughs) it wasn't even a big rug that was the thing it was a piddly little it was gonna do nothing absolutely nothing i don't know what she was thinking but yeah very mundane office drama you will only get it i think if you work in an office um but it was one of the funniest things that's ever happened i wonder how she's doing not well not well yeah Hmm. she eventually transferred office so that she wouldn't have to hear hear our heels that we didn't wear so yes perkins runs into the office and tells them that they've changed the time and place of harry's hearing which can i just say is a really disgusting tactic like it's clearly a tactic to get him expelled because he won't show up to the hearing and it's just so transparent and gross yeah and I think it's like I don't know it's really weird like we'll talk about this more in the next chapter but I actually think it's part of Fudge's downfall why Harry didn't kick get kicked out the fact that he acts so unhinged and so transparently trying to get Harry kicked out I think yeah. if it's just been a bit more subtle about it but he just does not seem remotely impartial and I think everyone could completely see what was going on 100% so yeah then they run down to the underground courtrooms and that is the end of the chapter so before we jump to chapter 8 we have something that we've never done before we have an ad and before I I know what you're doing stop I know that you are reaching for the skip button. Don't. So we're going to do ads now occasionally, but we promise that we're going to do them in the Goblet of Wine style where we will try and make them fun and genuine and interesting and funny. And And we're not just... We're just not going to do like an ad for something that we don't genuinely believe in. I know everyone says that, but this is a hobby for us. Like we genuinely are only going to do it for really sick stuff. We have a list of people that we've been reaching out to for sponsors that are all companies that like like, relate to the podcast and that we and that we love and that we use so please don't skip this do give it a listen and also we're not just doing this because we're like money grabbing we have so many plans for the podcast and we want to be self-sustaining within those plans and sometimes we just need help with that so occasionally you'll hear ads but we'll try to make them funny I don't know why I sang all of that. Maybe I will sing some ads. Yes, here for that, because it will be awful. And then people will skip. <laughs> Tell us about today's ad, Charlie. So today's sponsor is Skillshare. Um, So Skillshare obviously could not be more fucking relevant, especially if you're in the UK right now in lockdown. And you probably have a lot more time on your hands than you ever do. Um, So I actually, for the first lockdown, um, I wasn't furloughed, but I was put onto 80% pay and 80% hours, which meant that I had a day of the week free. So I was like, I'm going to learn some new shit. So I actually learned how to like, you know, on like um, Instagram, you can create those like Instagram filters. I taught myself how to make those on Skillshare. Um, And what I love about Skillshare, you can either like, like the other day I taught myself like a little bit of like app design as well using Skillshare. Like there's so many different things you can learn on there. Like there's one. Hey Charlie. What? Can they teach me how to sew? Yeah, probably. That's what I Neat. See, we're, that's the thing. We've all tried new hobbies. I am attempting to learn how to use a sewing machine and sew clothes. 
and many things have gone wrong yes there's also so the next one i want to do is actually on like nail art design because i like bought myself some like gel nail polishes and like i'd done a little bit already but i want to get better at it so i'm going to do one um on nail art design which i'm like really excited to do i genuinely like i am a paying member of skillshare and i have been for like most of this year it genuinely is such a good platform if you're interested there is a link in our description where you can get two weeks of premium for free if you sign up with the link in our description so it would mean the world if you're interested to go give it a go for free if you're in the uk and you're in lockdown or any other country in lockdown let's face it you've got nothing better to do with your time um so you might have been thinking about signing up anyway use our link charlie has used it and i haven't and i am excited to start because she has been telling me loads about it and i have loads of things that i would like to work on this year and i constantly try to teach myself things and it goes very wrong and i need help (laughs) yeah it's genuinely like so good i did one the other day um there was this youtuber that i'm obsessed with um called ali and he has one like all about like productivity and note taking and I genuinely watched four hours of his Skillshare all about how to take notes and study well I'm very far out of university in any kind of education why did I spend four hours learning how to take good notes and study I don't know but also we do get quite a few questions like how do I start a podcast how do I do podcasty things and edity things and like we can give you guys advice but we've uh, learned everything by heart and there are people on Skillshare with a lot better skills than us who can actually teach you useful things so everything is on there from podcasting to nail art yeah so if you're interested like i said there is a link in the description and without further ado we will jump back to actually talking about harry potter chapter eight the hearing we're switching drinks are we not Oh yes, I am now on Smirnoff Ice, which describes itself as a vodka mixed drink. What percentage is this? 4% Four. again. That does not taste like alcohol, it just tastes like lemonade. Yeah, I definitely prefer the WKD, but it is nice. No, I prefer this. The WKD was a bit too sweet for me. The WKD just reminded me of ice lollies, so I like it. So the courtroom that Harry walks into is the same courtroom that he saw in the Pensieve for the Lestrange's hearing in the last book. And he has to sit in the chair that he saw in the hearing with the chains. However, the chains don't actually bind him. Cornelius Fudge is at the hearing and so is a witch with a monocle. Now, why would you wear a monocle when you can wear glasses with just one of them with clear glass in you have to like pull an expression to wear a monocle do you just do it for the style yes so therefore is madame bones a legend yes confirm it's a whole other level of like pretentiousness i just love it i'm here for madame bones <gasps> maybe madame bones is grubbly prank's wife mm. mm-hmm. you, you know we've been trying to work out who is grubbly prank's wife yeah i can see that I definitely can see that. I'm here for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have a go at Harry for being late, which is like, you think they almost know that the time has been changed, right? So like, don't be a dick. Like, it's not his fault. I don't know. I assume a bit of corruption went on where the time actually got changed days ago, but no one sent the letter to Harry till now. Mm, maybe. So Dumbledore arrives super dramatically Oh my god, he literally boss enters. Yeah, and then he's like, I'm the witness for defence. And you're like, yes, bitch, yes. You go. (laughs) Like, they did kind of like, I hate Dumbledore in the films, but at least this bit in the film was like as dramatic as it needed to be because he literally just like struts in there. Like, it's so Like, at the time where you need to say witness for the defence, he's like, I imagine him waiting by the door like, yeah, okay, this is Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, now. (laughs) (laughs) Just maximum drama. (laughs) So Fudge starts reading Harry the charges, but Madame Bones interrupts asking if Harry's Patronus was indeed corporeal, which is the first time we've heard this word and it means had a full animal form. And they're all like, whoa, you can do that shit. That's some hot shit magic, son. That's what I imagine these old wizards are like. (laughs) Yeah, which is again why it makes less sense as well if like Patronuses are essentially like sending an email as well because then it wouldn't be as impressive surely exactly Um, but i love madame bone so much i love that she's the only one kind of pub like vocally seeing sense in this situation she seems so she's the department of the head of the department of law enforcement and she seems like a really good head of department like fair listens to evidence actually wants to hear from witnesses like things that you should do in the law (laughs) yeah but at the same time she can't be that good or their like entire legal system wouldn't be as fucked as it is 
That's probably true, yeah. Although she does, in book six, get murdered by Voldemort in person. So maybe she is good and she's been working against a corrupt system our whole life. Yeah, maybe. But Fudge, um, so Harry basically explains that he only did magic because of the Dementors. And then Fudge is basically like, you're making this up. Blah, 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 blah. Which is just like, he just is acting like a child. Yeah. And also he won't let Harry speak. This is a trial. Harry, like, (laughs) you have to let him say his piece. Yeah. But yeah, Fudge is just acting like a child in front of all these witches and wizards and making himself look like an idiot. Because he's like, you didn't see the Dementors. You didn't. You're a liar. Yeah. He's He's literally just like... so personally. Yeah. He's literally like, you're making things up. And then Dumbledore's like, well, actually, we have a witness. And Fudge is just like, oh, no, we don't have time to listen to more of more diddles. And it's like, this is supposed to be your justice system. You can't refuse to listen to a witness because you don't want to hear more diddles like what like it is i know the fact that he is even like allowed to say that is just like beyond like it is ridiculous but also a minister for magic like the head of the ministry should never get involved in any sort of trial however big like even if it was the biggest trial against Voldemort the minister should not be in charge like imagine the prime minister getting in in the court in like a big murder trial there's a reason why all these different departments are separated so that you don't mix personal political gain with actual justice those two things should not be mixed the same way that personal political gain should not be mixed with coronavirus and brexit both of which are fucking because the government should have shut down and we should have had a multi-party thing it should not be personal political gain yep quite um, i hate so this country mrs fig comes and gives her statement and then fudge is just like it's not very convincing what the fuck <laughs> i know but also so we learn through this that squibs can see dementors which fudge just a doesn't know which seems like a thing that people should know and b which is kind of interesting because squibs can't do magic but they can see dementors which kind of like implies that seeing dementors is like an inherent thing in blood whereas magic isn't do you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I guess you could have the argument that, like, squibs do have magic, but maybe just to such a small degree. Or that there is some kind of trauma, like we, you know, kind of know with um, Dumbledore's sister that there was Mm-mm. trauma involved. So I guess there could also be, like, repressing your magic. I guess it's kind of like one of those things where it's a bit like chronic fatigue syndrome, where it's like, do you just say you've got chronic fatigue syndrome, but what does that actually mean? It could be any number of things or like i think yeah i could be wrong i think ibs is the same where it's any number of things but yeah they kind of just don't know so i I guess maybe being a squib is the same thing where it's like a blanket term for doctors essentially going "Uh." you don't have magic yeah maybe so they don't really cross-examine mrs fig either you're right mr Uh, mr fudge (laughs) fudge just is like that's not very believable and no one asks her any like cross-examination questions i'm like she's a witness like question her what are you doing? None of you know what you're doing. It's I just wrote, this system. is a shit trial. <laughs> it's so bad. And it's just like literally Fudge embarrasses himself by literally just being like, oh, like it's not very convincing and stuff. He could not make it any more obvious that he has an agenda and that he's being really impartial. Like it is yeah. not subtle in the fucking slightest. Nope. So Dumbledore then brings up the fact that the Dementors being there was not random and Fudge suddenly gets very, 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 very angry. Because Dumbledore points out that the Dementors must have been sent by Voldemort. And Fudge is like, no, because Voldemort isn't back. And Dumbledore's like, okay, okay, fine. So D- Voldemort isn't back. So that means someone inside the ministry sent the Dementors, which it's is clearly such, what... It's such a brilliant trap. Like, yeah, I know. I, I love it. Yeah, Dumbledore is really clever to like trap Fudge in this kind of lie. But it's clearly, it's quite clear that also Dumbledore already knows that this wasn't Voldemort. It was someone inside the ministry, whereas Harry still thinks it was Voldemort that yeah. sent the Dementors. It reminds me a bit of like the bit in Mean Girls when she's like, oh, you're so pretty. And she's like, thanks. And she's like, so you agree oh, you, so you think, think you're, you're pretty, pretty. like <laughs> yeah. his Dumbledore basically just did that to Fudge where Fudge is like oh like no one did this and Dumbledore's like well yeah <laughs> <laughs> shows you so Fudge then gets really angry and this is when a toad-like woman leans forwards and so we find out her name is Dolores Umbridge because it says like uh, for the scribe Dolores Umbridge leans forward and this is where I need to reveal something <laughs> 
when this book came out, I read it as soon as it came out. And then in the following years, I reread it and reread it and reread it as the next few books were coming out. And until probably book seven, so two years later, I thought her name was Dorless, as in (laughs) D-O-O-R-L-E-S. What? And we've talked about the fact before that I've never been told I have dyslexia, but sometimes I have such moments that are dyslexia. It wasn't just that I was mispronouncing her name. When I looked at the page, I saw it spelled as doorless on not one reading, on five plus readings. And it wasn't until I was saying out loud to someone, oh yeah, doorless. And they were like, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, that is a very dyslexic thing. My brain literally just swaps words, like just changes them for other words. Or also just like you see what you expect to see there. So the entire time I was reading Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman, the entire time I thought her name was Steffi, not Seffi, because I never heard the name Seffi. So I put my brain put a T in there. But yeah, yeah, Dorless. So now I only think of Umbridge as being called Dorless Umbridge. It has never been able to leave my brain. Incredible. Incredible. (laughs) But Harry just starts to just shit all over her appearance. Like, we talked about it before, but literally Harry is just like, one out of ten would not fuck. fuck. This toady woman Mm -hmm. who speaks in a high-pitched girly voice. And Harry's like, ew. Which we will get into into i think we're not going to talk about in this i think i want to talk about it in a couple of episodes time where she's introduced at hogwarts because we get a lot more detailed description of her but we'll just go with performing femininity and all the connotations that come with that now that we know about jk rowling oh Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a spicy one it's gonna be a spicy one (laughs) literally just one of the many many examples many examples well do you know what we'll get into it but if J.K. Rowling wasn't a turf and was a good person. The description of Dolores wouldn't annoy me because I think it would be a really interesting commentary on performative femininity from the male gaze. Hmm. But now knowing what we know about J.K. Rowling, I don't think it is a commentary on that. I think it's J.K. Rowling being a dickhead. So we find out that in this whole thing that wizards are allowed to use magic to save a muggle's life. So it says to save their own life, to save another wizard's life or to save a muggle's life, which is good to know that this is actually written into wizarding law because normally they don't give a fuck for muggles. So it's good to know they actually have it written in that they can save a muggle's life if needed. Yeah, that is good. So Fudge and Dumbledore then fight and we learn that the Ministry can't interfere at Hogwarts and also what Fudge did in summer it was illegal because he actually the Ministry does actually not have the power to expel students and confiscate their wands that power lies with Dumbledore which I'm not saying that it's a good thing states being involved in school things but it is a bit weird that the ministry have no power at hogwarts up until this point like yeah i agree because like i don't i don't think that normally like the state should be like that involved however it's not like a normal school like it's the only school yeah and they're being taught things that are like could be like incredibly incredibly dangerous so like you know if you like i don't know like i i guess if you knew that like there was a young wizard out there that was like displaying like serial killer tendencies hopefully you would actually just be able to lock them up but let's say for some reason you weren't actually able to lock them up in azkaban you should like the government should be able to say okay you need to stop educating this person because they are dangerous but then i guess you could argue that maybe then there would just be a black market for like dark magic wizarding education maybe but yeah but it's also just weird that like you know i'm not totally sure how i feel about the whole thing but it's very odd that there's no national set curriculum like the teachers at hogwarts just make up what they want to do and also there's no inspections like they treat umbridge coming into the school as such a poisonous bad thing and all it just i'm just like well yeah that does happen like we had ofsted inspections in school like it is just a thing that happens like you do have to be checked that your school is running as a school mm-hmm. and like oh, hogwarts desperately needs it like not by umbridge <laughs> like not by you know their incompetent government but just somebody like yeah i i find it wild that there is actually like the hogwarts pta because what are they doing what school are they looking at and thinking this is fine that pta does nothing no literally so fudge basically seems crazy he goes out of his way to bring up like all of harry's past indiscretions even when they're like stuff at hogwarts which is irrelevant or like stuff that he's been excused of of the past he's literally grabbing at any straw to try and get harry expelled and i do think this is where he fucks 
up because you think every other adult in that room must be like what the fuck like why does he have such a vendetta against this child yeah because i think it's meant to be implied that a lot of the people in the room aren't actually ministry workers because they shouldn't be this i suppose they're not a jury they're they're the members of the wizard is made up of people who are not just ministry workers they are they are made up of normal people in society which they should be and at the end of the day it's batshit that like people in the ministry are in the court because the reason that most somewhat fair justice systems in the world exist is because they have a jury which is a selection of completely independent new people every time who are just from everyday walks of life and they're literally selected for being normal people i mean a they should have a jury but b i don't think everyone here works for the ministry so yeah fudge is really showing himself up in front of people who aren't his colleagues who who don't work with him every day and are probably like oh my god he's actually going mad so dumbledore is just like you should reach a verdict i'm like it's not Dumbledore, it's not, you're the witness for the defence. You don't just say we should... What is this trial? I think it's <laughs> like... As someone who spends a lot of time watching courtroom dramas, this chapter just irritated the fuck out of me. Yeah. Please, 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 please watch How to Get Away with Murder. It has mm. such good lawyering in it like and when i say good if you're a lawyer listening to this and thinking no it doesn't i don't mean good as in accurate i just mean like yeah bitch kind of good there is no reason i shouldn't watch how to get away with murder because it is a murder and b shonda rhymes which is basically a combination of two of my favorite things yeah and um what's his face from harry potter dean all that to say (laughs) this courtroom is shit (laughs) So they do just follow Dumbledore's orders and reach a verdict, which is that there are more people in favour of clearing Harry of all charges. Fudge wants to charge him. So Harry is cleared and Dumbledore just yeets himself out the room. No, that's what I wrote. It is creepy how similar we are. We started our period on the same day this month. We did. None of you needed to know that, but I told you. We did, but like literally like, and we have not seen each other in ages, so our periods cannot no, even be synced. it's not like we're not syncing. But like, literally, earlier on this call, Hannah mentioned she was on her period. I'm like, oh, you're on your period? And we worked out, same day. And also Charlie was like, over Christmas, I started re-listening to the seventh Harry Potter book. And I was like, over Christmas, I started re-listening to the seventh Harry We didn't discuss this. It just happened. It just came. Honestly, oh, terrifying. Creepy. I have one last note about this chapter. Please tell me. I really hope, I doubt it, but I hope that Harry sent Mrs. Fig a thank you note. I highly doubt it because Harry is the most selfish, thoughtless person I've ever seen. He never thinks about anyone else, but I just, I hope hope he did. Because we, as far as we get in the book, he just never speaks. He literally, he doesn't even like go and say thank you to her now. He, He just leaves. And he's never like, do you want me to look after your cats? Do you want me to fetch... She's an old woman. Do you want me to fetch your shopping for you? No! Exactly. Like, at, like he should have said you, thank Harry. you to her then. And then the next summer holidays, he should have brought her over some dreamies for her cats. Also, where did Mrs. Fig go? She left the courtroom without anyone. I assume she left... Well, she's waiting outside and then Dumbledore picked her up. Because otherwise, how is this bitch getting home? Well, like, you know my theory about her and Dumbledore being like gay besties oh each other's beards yeah so like maybe they just like i see it cruised off together in dumbledore's i love how we assume every woman in harry potter is gay um i just assume every woman in life is gay and then i become terrified to talk to her oh my god no i have to mention the fucking um so i ghosted one of you and <laughs> how actually could you tweet us if any of you have ever found charlie on tinder genuine request don't be shy someone's already told us they have come on tweet at us if you have ever come across charlie on tinder please tweet at us yeah so basically um a girl called rachel joined um the patreon discord the other day and went to we have like a separate um channel where you get to introduce yourself and basically she revealed in her introduction that she actually matched with me on tinder a year ago um and messaged (laughs) me and i ignored her Um, Hard, solid proof that Charlie is a terrible human being. <laughs> no, I'm just terrified of women. I I don't remember this, but I also don't doubt it because I don't reply to most people on Tinder. So this is my this is my public apology, Rachel. I'm <laughs> so sorry that I 
ghosted you on tinder i'm sorry okay i'm I'm very sorry but also i'm now convinced that this makes me famous because i think when you just start to get recognized on tinder that that only has to mean that i'm famous now right do you know charlie once matched with the guy in Derry girls on tinder and he ghosted her yeah because i because i accused him of having i was so upset that didn't work out i was so ready to be this guy's best friend like i was hyped the best thing about it was because i was like oh like he's cute and then i was like looking at his profile and I didn't even, like, I think maybe I was like, maybe he said, se- like, I semi might recognise him, but not a lot. Like, I literally didn't think anything of it. And I was just like, literally just like swiping through his profiles because some- something just felt off about it. And then what I realised it was, was that he had one photo where it was like him and like a handful of girls, like, like a mirror selfie with them. And I was like, this is the photo that feels off. And obviously when I was looking at his profile, I was just looking at him in all the photos. And then I looked at the girls and it was all of the girls out of Derry Girls. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh my God, it is the guy out of Derry Girls. Um, and it is his genuine account. It wasn't a fake account. because yeah, his Instagram was connected. So you could see that it was actually him. And then, so he had in his profile that he enjoyed Tarantino films. So I messaged him, accused him of having a foot fetish and for some reason he never replied to me it's fucking tragic so i hope you feel better rachel i might have ghosted you but that dude ghosted me when you are a ten dollar above patreon you get to ask us questions so this question is from renee how do you feel that jk rowling's contemplation of killing off ron in the final book is reflected in her writing of him in order of the phoenix and a half blood prince for example, I've always felt that Ron takes a back seat in later parts of book five as Harry and Hermione spend more time together. I sense certain harmony vibes in certain scenes. And of course, book six Ron is a fucking nightmare 90% of the time. Lavender deserved better than Ron's stupid- stupidity and J.K. Rowling's sexist portrayal of her. So I feel like I need to confirm the rumours that J.K. Rowling was going to kill off Ron because there's a lot of rumours flying around that she was going to kill off Mr. Weasley, that she was going to kill off Ron... And I just, like, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if she ever was, seriously. I believe she was seriously going to kill off Mr. Weasley in book five. But I'm really not sure she ever seriously considered killing off one of the three. Because you would have it as a fleeting thought. So I don't know if maybe when she's kind of said that she considered it as in she kind of... I think you have to do that as an author, that kind of due diligence of actually thinking, do I need to kill one of these main characters off? I guess. Yeah. But so, I don't think she ever I don't think she considered it to the fullest sense where it actually impacted book five and book six. I don't think she was writing it knowing she was gonna kill him, then changed her mind. I think when she's mentioned that in interview, she means that like it crossed her mind that it could be a thing she might do. Yeah. And I think like, you know, about Ron being a nightmare, I think yeah, Ron sometimes is a nightmare, but I think we we think he's more of a nightmare than he is because of the films and it's really hard to distinguish 100%. them. And maybe I'll take that back as we do our reread. But kind of my gut feeling is that I don't think he's that bad in the books. I think that he definitely definitely has his arsehole-ish moments. But also, so does Harry and so does Hermione. Um, and I, I think everyone forgets that in book five, Hermione is an arsehole. And I've started to see this in the next episode we're going to record. Like... She's an asshole to mm. Luna and everyone always shits on Ron, but all three of them and the way Harry treats Cho, oh my Christ. Yeah. Like they are all hormonal teenagers making mistakes, but the portrayal of Ron in the films really colours our portrayal of him in the books, I think. Yeah, and like as well, like psychologically, like teenagers, like you're still I can't remember the actual terms for it because I was really bad at psychology, but like basically when you're a child you're all about you 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 and that's your world and it's actually as as you grow up and kind of you get like socialized into thinking more about like other people as well and i think when you're a teenager you're still semi in between like you're learning to care about other people as well but you're still very much in that like me 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 kind of thing and i think that's just what we see is reflected because they're still growing and maturing and they're also like doing so and going through so much like they're going through more than normal teenagers they're like experiencing like a huge amount of like stress and trauma so i do think that they all kind of earn the right to be an asshole, but yeah I, I don't feel like ron is maybe he's a tiny bit more assholey than harry and hermione but i don't think by a lot i think we just think that because of the films yeah but our assessment may change it may so she 
She also had a sneaky second question, which I am going to answer because it ties into something we were going to say. Any more plans to collaborate with the Fanatical Fix Girls? The energy the four of you create together may be the only thing strong enough to delete Twitter from J.K. Rowling's phone. Well, Mm -hmm. Renee, I would say to you to keep an eye on Sequoia's second podcast, but make it scary for the next month. And then I would advise you to keep an eye on this podcast in the coming months. Very exciting, very mysterious. Not mysterious at all, but, you know, I'm sure everyone can work out what that means. I'm going to pretend I've made that mysterious. Right, that's the end of this episode. It is. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for the Alco Pops. Bye. Bye. I just went to hang up on you and then I was like, that's not, that was not the right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Sophie, Vera, Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Rhiannon, Matalib, Kristen, Katie, Catherine. Jacqueline and Harrison. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.